Hello, everyone. I'm at that age of uh, I want to see you. I need glasses, and if I want to read, I need glasses. <laughs> but I think the light's enough. But yeah, age is a wonderful thing. You can't do anything about it. You just have to embrace it and get on. All right. So this morning, it's January. It's 2020. The heat has turned up, and Christmas is gone. Most of you have probably put your trees away, packed away your ornaments, dusted. Around the area where the tree was, and the room looks a bit empty, so you have to reorganise the furniture that was there before you put the tree there. And how many of you got socks this Christmas? Anybody get socks? I got socks. Socks have been worn. How many of you got clothes? Clothes have been worn. How many of you got chocolates or biscuits? Oh yes, those have all been eaten. The new shoes now feel like old shoes. Christmas is gone, and already. It's back to school, buying of things for those kids who are going to school, and it's oh, nearly February, Valentine's Day, and before you know it, it's going to be New Year's Eve again. <laughs> so when I, I was thinking about what to share with you, the good news is this morning is that Christmas is not done. You know, I have been consciously following Jesus this year. It's actually forty years. And what God is keeping showing me is that I know nothing about Scripture, and His thing is dig deeper. There's more. Now I'm one of those people that I, even at school, I read it and it's like I know the answer, I know the answer, and I write it down and I'm on to the next exercise. And God has been trying to teach me in the last four, five years when it comes to my relationship with Him is to go back. Go back over it. It doesn't mean what I'd learned in nursery school was wrong, or in kids' church was wrong. But there's more. There's depth, and it is my responsibility as an older Christian and an older woman, an aging woman, to actually continue to dig deeper and not live off the truths and the understandings I had as a six-year-old, or an eight-year-old, or a fifteen-year-old. There's more, and God is always saying to us, "Come." So we are going to go back and revisit the nativity scene. Now, birth stories is something I love. My daughter's like, "Oh, mother, really? Are we going to?" Go? <laughs> But it is something that generally comes up in conversation. In the old days, the women would chat because the men pretty much were left outside the door. These days, men are allowed in, and they are part of the birth story. When I was in North Africa, I did a basic doula course. Uh, which is helping people give birth, not on the medical side, but just rubbing their back and encouraging them and cheering them on and rah rah rah, and 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 birth in any culture, in any village, in any city, in any town, in any country, birth is a big deal. And these days, it's like you need a bag when you go to the clinic, and have you got all the clothes, and is the baby's room ready, and have you got a cot, and have you got this, and who's going to be the photographer, and how many people are going to be there? Have you got a midwife, a gynecologist, a doula, a photographer, a videographer, and you know you need somebody to take the footprint, the handprint, the, and I mean it is, it is huge, it is absolutely. Hmm? Oh, that too. Yeah, I know all these things are surrounding birth, and it takes on different flavors in different cultures, in the size of the city, in size of the community, but in any culture, it is a massive thing. 
And I just, I remember when I was pregnant with Sam, first child, you know, I had this diary, my pregnancy little diary. And I wrote how I felt every day of the nine months. It was a big thing. And then the photographs of the birth. And then I was wondering, you know, what if all of you, now I know some of you have had babies, some of you haven't, some of you it's a difficult issue, some of you are grandparents, some of you are hoping to be a mother, But let's just imagine that we were the most powerful person on the planet. We had every single resource available to us of every kind. And this birth that we are going to make happen is the most important birth ever. And we want everybody to know about it. What would we do? Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's just, just think about it. If you wanted everybody to know about this birth of yours, or your daughters, or your childs, or your neighbors, or whoever, what would you do? How would you go big? Okay, we're thinking in our heads. How would you do it? Where would it happen? Which hospital? How many doctors? How many nurses? How many photographers? Who would be the attendants? Who would be waiting outside? Who would be waiting inside? And when it was born, this incredible birth, you'd go outside and think of baby Archie. How would we do it? What would we wear? If I was God the omnipotent, the omniscient, all-powerful, all-seeing, all-knowing, eternal, majestic, glorious. And I need to come to earth because humanity cannot do what I require of them. I am coming down to rescue the people I love who are seriously, Stupid. <laughs> like sheep. God is coming to be born on this earth. His chosen people then are groaning, are wailing. They have been waiting for God to come for years and years. And they have not heard from him in about 400 years. They are waiting for the conquering hero, for the king, for the almighty God to make his presence known. What grand entrance does God choose to make? Now, I have been going back and back and back over this, and I am astounded, absolutely astounded at the message. You know, when, when I was growing up, and yes, I'm almost 55, it was all about the Kodak moment. Remember, any of you remember the Kodak moment? That was the advert, you know, the Kodak moment. And then those, Sammy, what are those instant photographs things? Yeah, Polaroids. Oh, and you had to be careful because it, you know, printed once and you had to get it just right, and there was the picture. 
Now it's like what? Hashtag Jesus has arrived finally. <laughs> Mary's Instagram, Mary's diary, Jesus' photo album of his birth, what did it look like? And I believe, again, with so many things in Scripture, every image, every um, parable, every picture is far deeper and far more profound and has a huge message that people like me sometimes just gloss over and off we go. So let's revisit, and I'm going to go through this really quickly. But we are going to pull up the nine key characters. I call them the first responders. Who were the first responders to this baby Jesus? And hopefully your mind will just be blown by what God was saying by that Kodak moment, by that hashtag, whatever it is, Jesus is here, by the Instagram, by the Polaroid picture, because it is a phenomenal message, not just for Christmas and not just for this year. Everything that God wanted to say to humanity about his grand entrance is here. So let's look. And, and this is like a little workshop, so I'm going to ask you, but if you get the answers wrong, I'll tell you. So who's the first character? All right. No, I'm going to go to Joseph. I love Joseph. <laughs> I love Joseph. Do we have any carpenters here or even men or women who like to? Oh, there we do. We have a carpenter. What do we know about Joseph? He was probably young, between 18 to 23, we're guessing. He was a carpenter. I don't know if you know carpenters, but the carpenters I know are very patient. Generally, they're very kind. They're gentle. They are used to long hours of planing and sawing, and they create. And it's a, to me, it's always a solid kind of a job. Gabriel Oak kind of a personality. So he was a carpenter. Being a carpenter, it wasn't an up there job. It was an okay job. People would have liked him because they provide things for, him, for them for their houses. But being a carpenter meant that you were not going to be rich. And I always think Joseph was, was quite a solid man. I really like Joseph. But what do we know about him? What is the Bible in the few words we read about Joseph in the nativity? What does it tell us about him? Does anybody know? Joseph was what? I think he was quite good looking, but hey. <laughs> what was Joseph? He was? Anybody can tell me. Sorry? Yeah, let's just read quickly. Joseph, Mary's fiancé, was a good man. He was a good man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Now let's just understand that. He is betrothed to her. It is not married. There are no intimate relations. Even, what have I done? Even as a betrothed person, there were no intimate relations at all. If someone had intimate relations outside of marriage, what could happen to that woman? She could be stoned. Gabriel, I mean, Joseph had the power to have Mary stoned. And he was a righteous man and he was respected. But he, he had decided to break the engagement quietly. But everybody would have known and they would have gossiped about that man, Joseph. But an angel of the Lord came to him. And when he woke up, 
he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife and did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph, Joseph named him Jesus. So this young man, he was visited by the angel of the Lord. This ordinary carpenter engaged his whole life in front of him. But he trusted what God said to him. And he saved Mary and Jesus from a humiliating death. And at this point, he decided to adopt this boy, this child that was not his. And even though he was a righteous man, he was going to take on this fallen woman, which would have meant that the two of them, for the rest of their lives, there would have been gossip about them. So he put his reputation aside. Love Joseph. He's our first character. Then we get to Mary. What do we know about Mary? She was also young. Probably between 14 to 16 years old. She was engaged. And she was pregnant. Now I'm not going to ask how many of you or if any of you were pregnant before you were married. But let's just imagine we are in a very strict religious society. And this young girl is pregnant. Oh, scandal! But again, what do we see about her? We see obedience, we see faithfulness, and she accepted the responsibility. Yeah, the angel came. And she said, what did she actually say? Let's look it up. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. The most profound thing, I mean, for a young girl to say these words is just something. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. Where are we? Oh no, that's the pondering. Sorry, I've lost it. Luke 1, verse 38. Um, And Mary responded after her little dialogue with the angel. I am the Lord's servant. This is her reply. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Let me be an unwed married woman. If this is what the Lord wants. And who was she? She had an interesting line of descendants, but her and Joseph, just ordinary people. Yet at that moment when God spoke to them, obedience, trust, responsibility accepted, decision, and you kind of get the feeling they were like, okay, (laughs) 
let's do this, knowing that it was going to be a tricky road ahead of them. Let's jump to the third person who recognized Jesus. I love this. No one ever thinks about this. It was John, the fetus, the unborn child. An unborn child was the, one of the first people, humans, to react to Jesus. Now, to me, that is just phenomenal. And what did this fetus do? It left for joy. And I mean, the relations are a bit complicated, but I'm guessing it was like a second cousin twice removed or something like that. But this fetus leapt for joy. Unborn child could recognize the presence of the living God. I mean, that just blows me away. All right, so we've got the young carpenter, we've got the pregnant, engaged woman, and we've got a fetus. And then the fourth one I've got on my list, I call her Old Baron Aunt Lizzie. (laughs) Whether she was an aunt, I don't know, but she was some kind of relation. Again, she was very old. Now, I'm not going to put a date because some of you will go, what, that's not old. But in terms of producing babies, she was old. Post-menopausal, let's just say. Now, to be Older and to be barren, such a terrible word. But in that environment, in that culture, not to have a child? Now, I know in North Africa where we live and in the community we live with, which is largely Muslim, literally around nine months after you marry, you produce that child. And I think it was a similar kind of environment, a similar kind of pressure here on Elizabeth. But what do, we, what do we learn about Elizabeth? She was a righteous woman, her and her husband. Yeah, they were in the priestly line of Aaron, but they weren't the high priest. He worked in the temple. But she was righteous. And it says she was always careful to obey. Even though God had not blessed her with children, which is a big thing to get over, particularly in that culture then. She was still faithful, she was still righteous, and she was still careful to obey. And when Mary walked in and the child leapt, she knew. She knew. And what happened to her? She was filled with the Holy Spirit at that moment. Barren old Auntie Lizzie. Those are the first four. Now we're going to leap to the traditional nativity scene. And let's see, who are the next people to witness this birth? The one is not a person, but I just want to say it's the manger and the animals. And you know, we sing, the cattle are lowing. And it's just like this. Now, there's nothing wrong with postcard pictures. I love postcard pictures. But if you've ever been into a little store at night where generally it's a slight random collection of animals per family, normally one cow, maybe a couple of goats, probably some chickens. 
And if you've been in there, the cattle are... There's a whole lot of mooing and pooing that's happening in these places. But what I love, as we go down the list, it's the whole of creation that is part of this supernatural cosmic event. There are witnesses of a fascinating variety. The domesticated animals were there. And I love that. Nothing fancy, not a five-star hotel, not the Hilton, not even an Airbnb. But there's something earthy and peaceful and natural and complete that was happening here. And then we jump to the shepherds. Oh, I love the shepherds. <laughs> the shepherds. Now we go to the lowest level of society at that time. Yeah, your CV, you know, what's your job? I'm a shepherd. Mm-hmm. Nobody really wanted to be a shepherd. Do you remember David? It was passed down with each son until conk, there was nobody else to pass it on to. Shepherds, the life is tough for a shepherd. But yet again, the shepherds I've met, they are patient. They are kind. They are strong. And they get that kind of look on their face and their hands of somebody who's been outside all the time. But there is a maturity I see in their eyes. I love the shepherds. But yes, they were the lowest of the low. But let's look at these shepherds. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 20. Let me just pull out some, uh, where did I put it? Some, some verses for us about these blessed shepherds. Because God chose them. And this blows my mind. Luke chapter 2. And there they are, the shepherds, staying in the fields nearby. And they weren't smelling wonderful, I don't think. They were guarding their flocks, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. Now listen, the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Out of all the people on the, well, not on the planet, but in that area for God to choose, to display his radiant glory, was these lowly shepherds. And they were terrified. And the angel reassured them, gave them the message. And suddenly there's this like incredible choir. And when the angels had gone, the shepherds said to each other, I just love this. Can you imagine them just standing there looking at each other? And now there's a word in Arabic which is like, yalla, yalla, which means... Let's go. And I can just imagine if they were Arabic shepherds, they would have just stood there with their mouths open, looked at each other, and like, dunk, the penny would have dropped, and they'd have gone, yalla, 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 yalla. And one would have maybe grabbed a newborn lamb because they couldn't leave it behind, and off they would have gone. Let's go, they said, to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village. Now, they had a choice, these shepherds. 
They could have just sat there and, and just sat there and talked about it around the fire and just try to work out what it was. But again, they chose to believe, they chose to trust, and they yelled. They went off. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in the manger. Now listen to this. After seeing him, what did they do? The shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. So the first messengers that God chose to tell people about him coming to earth in human form was a lowly bunch of shepherds. Amazing. What about the star? Not a human being, but part of creation. The star was there. It rose. Now, I don't know how many stargazers or astronomers, astrologers we've got here, but this star, the heavenlies, you know, I love that verse, the heavens will declare the glories of God, and we say that, but, you know, sometimes we don't know what's happening up there. But it's true. This star, the heavens told that this was the moment God was coming in human form. So we've got the animals and we've got the heavenlies, the galaxy. In this little majestic, phenomenal moment, all coming together in the most bizarre birth picture. You know, the winds and, awa- the winds and waves would astound people later. They obeyed this baby. But at this moment, the star declared it was so. And talking about the galaxy, we had the angels. The angels were pretty busy during this time. They appeared to Zechariah, they appeared to Mary, they appeared to the shepherds, they appeared to Joseph. It was just a moment where the glory of of this magnificent God, it just intertwined with the reality of earthly life was phenomenal. They were celebrating. They were praising. They were adoring. They were announcing. And then they went back to heaven. But that brings me to the last character. This star appears. Who notices the star? Okay, were there three? We don't know. Were they kings? We don't know. Were they on camels? We don't know. But what we do know is there's a high possibility that they were not Jewish. They were Gentiles from the East. I had to look up a little bit, and they reckon these guys were what would, be, would have been called Zoroastrians. Oh, heathens. But these glorious heathens traveled for a very long time. Again, they had a choice. They knew about the prophecies because they were wise. And they knew because they looked at the heavens. They watched the stars. 
And God spoke to these Gentile heathens from a foreign land. And they came. I don't know if any of you have traveled on the back of a, of a, a, a camel through the desert. Yeah, it's a bit tricky. <laughs> it's a bit of a tricky thing. But again, they saw and they followed. So in this picture now, we've got the foreigner. We've got the Gentile. Who doesn't necessarily even believe in this God that is being born. But they follow what they have seen. God showed them in their way, in their language, in how they, and they chose to follow. Now let me just read you this. Matthew chapter 2. All right, and they get to visit Herod, and Herod is disturbed. I mean, how amazing. These people go to see the ruler of the land. After this interview, the wise men went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. Now again, they reckon this was about a year later, so it wouldn't have been the stable. It would have been somewhere else. And the shepherds would have gone. And the angels were gone. But they arrived. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. There it is again. Joy. Filled with joy. And these glorious heathen, these foreigners, what did they do? They entered the house, they saw the child and his mother, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it is time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them. Not to return to Herod. Oh, how I love that. These foreigners, non-Jews, don't worship God. God reveals himself to them and they choose to go on this long trek all the way. And they keep following. Yeah, they went there at the birth, but they kept following. And they arrived and they bowed down and they worshipped the living God who had come in human form. So let's just quickly go over those. Young carpenter, not wealthy, righteous, honorable. Mary, young virgin, suddenly pregnant, big disgrace. Fetal, the fetus John, unborn. Leaping, joy, mother filled with the Holy Spirit, mother old, barren, pointed at, laughed at all her life. We've got the animals, examples of creation. We've got the star. We've got the lowest of the low of the community. And we've got the foreigner. And they are all gathering in a place that is not the home of Mary or Joseph. And I say, oh God, oh God, what are you saying? 
What does this mean out of everybody you could choose? And again, I believe this is a story of the kingdom of God. It is not what we assume, it is not what we expect, and it is not what we would do if we were in that place. So my message is one of encouragement for me and for all of us. This is the kingdom of God. It is not the most beautiful people, it is not the most successful, but it does not exclude them. Let's remember, it doesn't mean if you're rich, wealthy, successful, you're excluded. But in this picture, because that's who the people were expecting. That's who they were looking for. And throughout the Gospels, God turns the expectations of people upside down to help them break these preformed religious ideas that they had. And God offers this up in the Kodak moment. The alien, the outsider, the foreigner, the heathen. They were the first to bow down and worship. Who were the first to go out and tell people? They were the lowest of the low in that community. Mary and Joseph, unknown, ordinary. The fetus, unborn. But God also brought in creation, animals, and the angels, and the stars. To show that this is his purpose of coming to earth. Is to draw all men, all women, not just the ones we would choose. Everybody to him. So that we can bow down and worship together with the most unlikely people. Probably the people we would never choose. But this is a picture of the kingdom of God.